Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, hello, uh, and welcome to episode five of uh, Mixtape. Mixtape Memories. Yay. <laughs> I'm Matt Hart Spade. I'm Jenners. And um, thanks for tuning in. We have a lot of fun stuff for you today. Yes. Lots uh, in store. There's been some fun news, I think, in over the last week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited personally that uh, Bjork is reissuing all of her albums all nine of them on colored limited edition cassette tapes. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> and um, it's cool because each one has its own color, which kind of corresponds with its personality, I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's cool. You know, she's always doing something that's uh, a little ahead of the curve. No. Yeah, it's it, it's like a fun collectible. Yeah. It'll probably like spike the sales of like cassette players everywhere. <laughs> yeah. She's selling them internationally, I believe. So, um, so yeah, anyone can grab them before they're gone. What's your favorite? My favorite Bjork album? Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I love so many of them, but I think the one that I would, if I were forced to pick, would probably be uh, Homogenic. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's when I first really fell in love with her. I mean, of course, I love uh, Post and Debut, but I think it took it to another level with Homogenic for me. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely like evolution. I could see the evolution there, but um, I think I'll always love debut, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. classic. Yeah, it reminds me of like uh, my young self or something, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, to me, it was like uh, such a dramatic change from like if you heard like her Sugar Cube of stuff course, and yeah. then then her solo stuff and. Um, it, I just like the quirkiness of it, but it was also still very, like, soft and sensitive. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love that that album kind of, I mean, all of her albums really take you on a journey. But with that one, you mm-hmm. have everything from, like, Venus as a Boy, which is yes. so, like, touching. And, and I don't know, I think that's a really moving track to something like um, Violently Happy, which mm-hmm. is the polar opposite. You yeah. Know? I liked Big Time Sensuality. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I like that it was sounded like like one part was like in a bathroom stall or yes, something. Yes, yes. Um and so that's always like the party track for yeah, me on that yeah. album. That's still a great song to dance to, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and she's also reissuing um a bunch of old vintage t-shirts that she put out in the 90s. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Cuz a lot of that stuff nowadays like I mean you have to dig on Etsy and eBay, but they're pretty valuable actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still have a bunch of my old T-shirts. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so couple. 
a couple. Yeah. yeah. A couple, um, some of them it's hard to keep because it's like there are so many holes or it's so, yeah. you know, uh, trashed. Yeah. That you can't really wear it out. <laughs> You've probably worn them a lot more than I've worn mine because I think like I mostly bought it. Uh, but they never looked good on me, so I just bought it just to like have it or wear it at home. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> you know, you probably wore yours out more. I uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I think we touched upon it the last episode. But one of the first ones I had was that um, it was the cover of Green Day's Dookie, mm-hmm. and I wore that T-shirt constantly in like '94, '95. Was it like a white shirt? It was like actually a black background with oh, the album art, gotcha. and in the back it said something profane i don't remember of course yeah (laughs) um you know we were talking we've talked in a couple episodes now about these larger stadium shows and it was just announced that modest mouse is going to do this big tour with the black keys yeah it's a state pretty much they're going around the country playing all the major cities in like basketball stadiums that's crazy yeah i mean one it'll be interesting to kind of see modest mouse in that kind of a a setting and i i think well at least black keys like i definitely approve of that as a touring partner Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like i don't know i feel like their touring partners recently have been like kind of questionable Mm. in my opinion like i think i I had to look this yeah i had to look (laughs) it up but when they went on tour with brand new i was like really confused (laughs) and just that was probably very bro-y crowd oh i can't imagine like how awful those crowds were but like not even just bro-y but like like kind of i don't know what you call it like not fake emo but like they're emo but they're um like millennial emo or something well it's also going back to like the mall punk thing even though i feel like brand news heyday was was probably i don't know 15 years ago so it was kind of after the mall punk thing, but yeah, not, I don't know. Not so brand new. Anymore. Yeah, not so brand new. Um, Damn old. <laughs> Damn old. Yeah, they should just change their name. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just I don't know. To me, Modest Mouse is a little more precious, but like maybe they've like evolved further. But I don't know. Like always, like love old Modest Mouse, but. Like, just I judge people by who they go on tour with. Mm-hmm. I just can't help it. Yeah. And, you know, I judge them for <laughs> the brand new yeah. choice. Um, so, but now it's like, OK, well, maybe they learned, hey, that kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go on tour with like a band. We actually like the music, maybe. Right. Who maybe knows? maybe they like brand fit. new. Maybe I'm just like, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Although I have to say I'm not the hugest Black Keys fan, but I feel like this is a little bit better of a fit, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they're more respectable band, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, my chance to go to Barclays, for sure. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'll I'll look out for those $10 nosebleeds. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, although this may sell out, uh, I suspect, in New York at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there is also some other weird news like about MySpace, which is like another blast from the past. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this happened. Um, I, I didn't read too, too much into it because I was, I mean, obviously when was the last time you went to a MySpace page, but they lost literally all the music that was uploaded from, what was it, the mid-2000s until a couple years ago. Yeah. How is that possible? It's... Some sort of like error in the system? Yeah, uh, somebody uh, did not do a good job <laughs> transferring files. 
terrible. Um, but you'd think that there'd be like a backup or something. Like you just it's like lose strange. everything. Uh, I mean, I don't know how cyberspace really works, like, <laughs> but I always thought like uh, it, it's hard to lose things. Like uh, you know, and, and such a massive amount of music. You know, yeah. I do recall a time back in the day when you would go to you know whoever whatever band's myspace page and they would have the four songs sampled and that was kind of the go-to before mm-hmm. soundcloud before obviously before itunes and all this kind of stuff it's so huge was, that was where you went and that's where you actually it was kind of an all-in-one shop because you got to see photos of the band you got to see a little bio you got to hear the music and um and then of course the top eight and and everything that followed and all the comments and whatnot but uh it really was a hub for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Giant. Yeah. Like, it was probably, like, my first big experience in social media kind of networking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, like, just giant for music. And it made um, discovering bands so much easier, for, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, and um, you didn't need to have a website anymore. Exactly. Band, you know? Yeah, it was very easy just to upload. And, uh, <laughs> it, I mean, yeah. we laugh at it now. My sp- the idea of MySpace, uh-huh. like, um, and, but you know, it really kind of changed the game a lot. In it music did. You know, I remember a couple works. years ago, I I want to say Justin Timberlake put a ton of money back into MySpace to try and make it a thing again, and obviously it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> unless I don't think they it's did come like back at this point. giant strides and huge changes or something. I just can't imagine. No people you know, going back to MySpace. No, no. They would have to do a heavy rebranding. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> Pretty dead in the water, especially now with this news. I don't think, even if there was any interest in revisiting that, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever Reddit link you sent me about it, um, somebody posted like, it must have been like a link to paper magazines, okay. like MySpace page or something. And I went to it and it was like, last login, 2007. So, <laughs> That's probably almost everyone. That's probably 90% of the users. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I remember like, um, it was either Friendster or MySpace. I got like really passionate about deleting my profile. (laughs) 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 And then, but after you like leave these social networks, it's like very isolating. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually you always end up back on it, you know? Yeah. You go for, or you hop from one to the next. Yeah, you know, a couple they, years ago, I went to Friendster.com just to see what was going on, oh if I even remembered my login, anything. Just to, I don't know why, just kind of to a total TBT, like way back. <laughs> and um, I swear it's like a gambling site now or something. Oh it, my it, gosh. You can, it's, there, I don't think any of that content was saved either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Friendster was like, even though they were trying to make it like music, whatever, mm-hmm. it never, it was more like, yeah, just like people. Yeah. Versus like bands and stuff. They try to do that, but that didn't really take off. I liked it better as an interface for friendship. Yeah, yeah. More than I did. I love that it had like the testimonials as if it were, um, yeah. a, a, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Someone commenting on your resume or something. I don't know. Yeah. I actually like forgot about that <laughs> until you just This person it up. is a good friend because they're caring, they're loyal. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah, was was it like walls or something? So like of a course, Friendster yeah. wall. Yeah, is that what it was? But you know what? You kind of needed those stepping stone social media platforms to get where we are now. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So you know, 
kudos. <laughs> yeah, kudos to Friendster. To Friendster. <laughs> Although, like, um, I definitely remember, like, meeting people and, like, uh, thinking, like, it was, like, a business meeting. Like, it was, like, some kind of, like, like networking for work or something like mm-hmm. that. You'd find somebody who, like, worked at a label or something. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was, like, managing bands or something. And then you end, like, you realize very quickly that they think it's a day <laughs> and you think it's a meeting. Uh. Like, like welcome to the music those. industry yeah, yeah. or any industry, really. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the lines were blurred back in the day. I'll just say that. Lots of blurry, <laughs> blurred lines yeah. like that awful song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, consensual blurred lines. Consensual. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Some people may question how consensual <laughs> that is these days. Yeah. Um, we won't go into that. No, but, no, no. you know. Uh, always, always like, yeah, I mean, working in entertainment, there's always like, um, lots of drinking Mm -hmm. and who knows what else going on. It's part of the culture. Yeah. It's nightlife. Yeah. It was more like, like, it didn't feel like work a lot of the time, you know? So when it feels like play, you know, creates like a different environment, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's like definitely things that probably wouldn't fly today. No, <laughs> at no, all. no, uh, no, it's all progress. It's progress. Yes. Yes. Did you want to maybe visit our way back machine? Oh yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do a little way back. Cause um, I think we both found some interesting posts from a long time ago that are kind of funny to read back. Oh my gosh. Do you want to start? <laughs> sure. Um, I dug up a post from 2006 Yes. Um, from the Siren Festival in Coney Island. At this point, I want to say it was a few years old. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact year it started. Maybe like 02, 03? Yeah, I think uh, 02 or, or 03 for sure. So this is already a few years in, so it's kind of established at this point. The headliner on the main stage was Scissor Sisters. Uh-huh. And this was kind of the peak of like that first album was huge. Um, and it really was a moment. Yes. Um, but the, the set was kind of, uh, flawed because of technical problems. Mm. And I was really bitchy in my recap. Outdoor festivals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, it was like 9,000 degrees outside because it was end of uh, July, you know? Yeah. July, Coney Island. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'll just read it. So I titled the post, um, just not if you can hear me, which is a reference to one of the songs on, um, on the debut, obviously. Uh, so I wrote, uh, whoa, Siren Festival, time to hire a new sound person. The music stopped not once but twice for the beloved Scissor Sisters last night in Coney Island. Both at the same exact point of their new single, I Don't Feel Like Dancing. Um, to make up for the lack of sound, which ate up 10 minutes of their set, the sisters danced, shook their tambourines, and stripped. By the last two songs, Jake was down to his red-banded gray CK brief. That was very specific. <laughs> Seriously, that was it. Um, they closed the set strongly with Filthy Gorgeous and Music is the Victim back-to-back. Uh, Anna was her usual chatty self, throwing down comments and tirades about Con Edison, appropriately enough, <laughs> the lack of good places to dance in New York City, and um, how she wished LSD was back in style rather than Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Her glittery blue dress and high heels were fabulous. Um, we're kind of glad Jake pranced around half naked the latter half of the show because the music slut was definitely not feeling his Richard Simmons-esque glittery muscle tea. Oh nice try, though. We still love you, Jake. I love that. 
it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> definitely one of the best, if not the best, siren headliner since it's inaugural year. Aww. Yeah, I actually sisters. do remember that show pretty well. I was I remember like where I was standing and whatnot. Um, but that was yeah, I totally remember them playing siren. Yeah, that was uh, that was a memorable set in in spite of you know what I mentioned in, in that. What did you uh, pull up? From the, okay. from the way back so, machine. So, yeah, from the vaults um, of way back. <laughs> uh, so I have this one show from uh, 2003, um, and it was a show at um, Chennai, if you remember oh, yeah, of course. that venue. Um, the Lower East Side. So it was, I went to go see Enon in Panthers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here's my review of that. Okay. Uh, the title, for whatever reason, Lost and Naked, dot, 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 in this city. Okay. It was probably a Panthers lyric. And Got it. Yeah, yeah, lyric. yeah. So not totally random. <clears throat> Although it's kind of funny that Naked comes up in yours and mine. No, yeah. <laughs> Unintentionally, that's good. <laughs> it was a moment, naked moment. Yes. Um, okay, so here's the entry. Uh, I went to see Enon and Panthers at Chennai last night. Panthers just keep getting better. I'm not sure how to describe it, but they're energetic, robust in their passions. <laughs> not afraid to swing the mic at your face. Uh, I swear Jason was going to hit me one of those times. He's a wild front man. <laughs> <laughs> Justin was tearing it up on the guitar, but you can tell the band has grown a lot from touring. But many of the people at Cheney were there to see Enon, so Panthers was a totally different platter for them. I saw Nina and Matthew at the show. Not sure what they thought of it, but I'll get the 411 soon. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) I was a little buzzed on red wine. Cheney only has wine and beer. And right up near the front for both sets. Jason Panther brought out the duct tape, but alas, he did not duct tape himself or anyone else. Sad face. (laughs) But I still love him for his wild stage antics. I saw Jason from the Bogs and uh, P from On Air Library and talked with Panthers guitarist Justin and drummer Jeff. All nice peeps. (laughs) (laughs) Enon was also more rockin' last night. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, It's a little difficult to pinpoint, but it was hard in a good way. Like, the group just let go of all inhibitions and spirited away every single sound, effect, noise, note. John Enon was all over the place, twisting knobs, stepping on pedals, and flicking switches. Then his fingers were running all over his guitar (laughs) to the point where it looked like he was grinding his teeth from the intensity. Toko's ethereal voice was still cool and ghostly in uh, recognizable hits like In the City and Disposable Parts. (laughs) That's very formal of me. Mm. John was funky and wacky in songs, especially in tunes that played off that side like Carbonation. Um, At the end of the set, John just let the effects go on and on and on until the room emptied when he stepped off the stage i thought he was trying to get past me but then he just stood next to me and put his arm around my shoulders it was bizarre and funny like he had been watching the show with me the entire time then we took a photo together to capture the moment (laughs) (laughs) 
So, well, it yeah. sounds like a good time. I have to say, time. I haven't thought about either one of those bands in, I don't know, 15 years probably. Yeah. You know? No, no. Me neither, actually. <laughs> no, I pulled it up. Although, Enon more than Panthers, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just love them. And they, they they had the potential. I do feel like they had the potential, yeah. Um, But, you know, I don't know. For some reason, they just, like, never took off. And, I mean, that is ha- you know, that happens. And I think we witnessed bands that we thought were really going to breakthrough and then didn't and then vice versa yeah yeah it's always so sad um but yeah they were one of them for sure sister sisters too they kind of yeah kind of maybe abroad they were huge uh, yeah they were stadium size in europe but now um you know jake is doing a solo thing and he just released a solo album and it is like kind of country inspired and all the weird all the images are very like 70s um like uh porn star it's very strange Hmm. um and the music was really forgettable for me unfortunately yeah i've met him a couple times and he was so sweet i think he's a really nice guy obviously i was a big fan of scissor sisters uh, many years ago but i don't revisit it too much yeah yeah and i've i've only like ran into animatronic and like friend circles Mm -hmm. so but i i think she's djing and yeah you know she's around town doing different projects still and baby daddy i think doing some stuff like producing and behind the scenes kind of stuff right yeah they're still like living on and just like not as the scissor sisters Yeah. yeah i feel like they're a good band though that maybe five ten years from now could do some sort of reunion around the first two albums and that could be fun Oh, you know? yeah. 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 When the, uh, their reissue or, you know, 15 reunion yeah. tour or something like I that. I think that that would be really fun. You or know? 15 priority pass. I, I don't know. I think we're around 15 we're for around the debut. 15? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that should be coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> Keep an eye out. You know, another piece of news that I think would be a nice segue to our repeat skip is uh, Built to Spill. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of reunions and, and kind of coming back, um, although they never really split, but they're they're celebrating the 20th anniversary of um, their 1999 release. Uh, remind me what it is again. Keep it like a secret. <laughs> Sorry. They really, you know what it is for me in the late 90s, early 2000s? It all kind of blends into one for me only because when I was... Uh, playing songs on my college radio station i didn't i don't recall like which tracks certain albums are from regarding built to spill because they all kind of sounded yeah similar in a sense yeah you know there's like a common thread to each one of the releases for me yeah i mean i think a lot of times like these um like old indie rock albums they won't have like 20 hits on it they'll have like a, a couple hits and then the rest are kind of more like i don't know the atmosphere around those kind of hits or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that I, um, you know, what is this? The 20th reunion? It's the 20th, 20th anniversary of that album. Of the yeah. ish. Okay. The issuing of it. Yeah. Okay. Re- so they're, I think they're reissuing it <coughs> and they're touring. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Reissuing and touring. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I listened to it again just to remind myself. It's been kind of a while since I've listened to this album, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, and I was kind of surprised um, listening to it that I like um, only kind of really liked a, a couple of the tracks on here. 
for me, there weren't that many standouts, and not because I dislike the album, but just because I think a lot of it was very similar sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I always kind of felt that way about Built to Spill. Like some, there's a signature Built to Spill sound, and I feel like they never really varied too far from it. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's definitely like a well-known album of theirs, and like, but I, you know, I would say I, I like other albums of theirs mm-hmm. more. Um, than this one so because I was reading that they they kind of played the the entire album at Riot Fest a couple years ago mm-hmm. and then re-listening to it I was like wait who wants to hear all these <laughs> songs I think there are definitely a couple songs that you just go to the bar for right you know? yeah okay yeah it's 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 more like look at your feet bob your head yeah yeah and like kind of get lost in the feel of it exactly kind of music exactly um, more than like hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know, like, what was your kind of favorite track on My it? favorite track, you know, I, I feel like the, recently I've been picking a lot of the quote unquote singles, but I do feel like Carry the Zero is one of the strongest tracks on the release. And I think it was kind of a single, at least to college radio, it was a single. Yeah. Um, and that was my repeat. Um, I just want to say quickly about Built to Spill is that I have a very specific memory of, of Built to Spill from back, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago. And uh, it was just after 9-11. I was in college and um, I had bought t- tickets to see them at 930 Club, you know, a month prior or something. And the show date was either September 14th or 15th of 2001. And it, obviously that week was so bizarre. Mm. And I didn't know if the show was going to get canceled or not. And the show wound up going on and I wound up going because it was it was the only thing to kind of keep me out of the insanity of it all. And um, it was a really special gig. And I mean, Built to Spill was never my all time favorite by any means, but it was uh, I don't know. There was something that they brought that night that was like a sense of comfort, unity. Mm. Um, I just I'm really glad that I escaped and and kind of uh went to that show uh because it was really it was a miserable week for everybody you know um and i think that show was either on friday or saturday so um i don't know i kind of needed it and uh i'm glad that it that it went on and i don't know that's my memory of course uh, on that tour they were uh promoting the album that followed which was called ancient melodies of the future but they played a bunch of songs from this release also Yeah. yeah I mean, Doug Marsh, like he, his voice is pretty distinctive and like it can have really moments of like happiness and joy and like kind of whimsy and then also kind of get dark mm-hmm. and sad and like a little broodier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, probably pretty appropriate for. Yeah, it, you know, it, was, it was. It was oddly uh, um, like maybe, you know, the perfect show to go to. Yeah, that's awesome. What was your repeat? Uh, it was that or the plan. It was mm-hmm. carry the zero or the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, yeah, there were only like a couple tracks that I thought were like really like catchy enough to like want to listen to over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your skip? My skip was um, uh, broken chairs, which uh. I believe is the last track on the album. I I just remember it, it goes on and on. It's almost nine minutes long, and uh, <laughs> it was a little too meandering for me. I just thought like, yeah, that that track just like 
disrupts the sound so much of the album. Yeah. Um, it's it's like a little too like aggressively bluesy <laughs> for me yeah. instrumentally. Um, so I didn't really like that. Um, you know at all so that you agree was that <laughs> yeah. also your skip <laughs> yeah i mean it was like i think it was a terrible way to close out the album. yeah yeah um but you know now i wonder if like if there's a story behind the title mm. keep it like a secret yeah they always had good titles yeah yeah that's kind of like you know sometimes you know back then you title an album and it kind of gave you some you know, feeling about Mm -hmm. the album. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think uh, in that way, they created the perfect title because I'm attracted to the title. But like listening back, I just forgotten how few of the tracks that I actually really listened to. Yeah. On repeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, same. I like I went back and I was like, I think I thought this album was actually another album and I went back to look and I was like, oh, I thought it was There's Nothing Wrong With Love, <laughs> which is an actual album. You know what it is? I think that all I just love. That is a, that, I think that's a stronger one as well. I think also because a lot of their album titles are almost like half sentences, mm. it's easy for me anyway to kind of confuse one for another. Yeah. It's not like one is, is a one syllable thing and the other one is a sentence. Right. You know? <laughs> I know. Um, but like that, you know, a lot of those songs that were on that album were on the mixtapes that I used to get mm-hmm. from my friends. So mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, in the morning, that was like a very happy, like wake up in the morning had a song for me that I like loved listening to. And then Cleo was like the more yeah, sadder, you know, uh, kind of you know, cry, cry myself to sleep song. Or something that's a good like that. one. And then you said you liked car. Yeah. Right? Car was, but that's also because of a mixtape that someone made yeah. me. Um, and Great mixtape that was song. my first introduction to built to spill actually yeah. when I was probably 18. Yeah. Um, yeah. Built to spill was, you know, one of my top, I don't know, 20 acts when I was in college. Yeah. But I have to say, I really have not listened to them in a long time. Yeah. You know, um I, I haven't listened to them in a while um probably the last song i remember to act actively listening to was like going against your mind which is oh like, that's a great track that yeah. was so good i can listen to doug marsh sing whatever mm-hmm. i don't think it has to be a, like a hit mm-hmm. sounding catchy track for it to be good mm-hmm. it's just you know in terms of like trying to pick a track that you're gonna repeat and like you're gonna skip you know you know gonna be a little more critical but like I love Built to Spill and I could listen to them. Yeah. You know know what you're getting when you press play on Built to Spill. Yeah. Yeah. But if I were to pick like a seminal that I would want to hear like the entire album, it would definitely be There's Nothing Wrong with Love Mm -hmm. over Keep It Like Mm -hmm. Secret. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. I agree. But, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, kind of like weird September 11 memories, Mm -hmm. um, our next kind of album that we were going to, repeat and skip is uh, Radiohead Kid A Mm -hmm. Um, I remember going to see that the concert for that like uh, at Liberty State Park Mm -hmm. I think in Jersey and it was right before September 11th and um, so that'll always stick out in my mind because I actually had to travel through I think the World Trade Center to get to like whatever ferry was going to take me mm-hmm, to Liberty mm-hmm. Island at the time. So that was like literally the last time I was in the trade center. 
I unfortunately missed that set of shows that they did there at that point. I saw them at Liberty State Park a few years later on the In Rainbows tour. Mm. Um, and then I think, yeah, it was In Rainbows. They, I think they were headlining some festival that was a short-lived, uh, and they did two nights there. Um, I had weird Radiohead luck. Like they were Actually, the first show I ever saw was Radiohead. They opened for Alanis Morissette in Jones Beach in 96. Oh, wow. And then I just had really terrible luck seeing them. Uh, on OK Computer Tour, on K- with the Kid A Tour, and then starting in like 03, then I had like my magic radio had luck again, and I've seen pretty much every local show since. But um, I'm, I'm bummed I missed that. But they still play a ton of Kid A stuff. To you know, I saw them, when was it? Uh, last summer at MSG. They did four shows. I went to two of them, and they did like half of Kid A. Mm. So it's still part of the repertoire, you know. Yeah, I mean, to me, there were, I don't know how you feel about it, but like to me, there were like a couple good tracks and then um, uh, just a lot of other forgettable tracks. So. I, I, I do love this album, but I have to say it wasn't one that I was immediately drawn to. Mm-hmm. For me, I have such deep connections to, and I want to preface this by saying I understand that musically it's not, it's two of maybe their least um, inventive albums, but the Benz and OK Computer have such a, for me during my teenage years, those albums meant everything to me. And I played them repeatedly mm-hmm. uh, in my headphones and um, on my Walkman and uh, cried to them and sulked to them. And I, I had such a deep connection that pretty much when I got to college and Kid A was put out, I went to the midnight sale when it was uh, to buy it on CD <laughs> that night uh, in 2000. And, um, I was so turned off at first. I said, what are they doing? It's so experimental. It's so spacey. It's so weird. It's, it's so repetitive. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it made, for me, it was, a, it didn't seem like the logical follow-up to OK Computer. But then I grew to love it. And I still love this album, actually. Uh, anyway, all that to say, um, my favorite, I think, if I were to pick, is probably Idiotech, which is like this weird fucked up version of a disco song mm-hmm. um uh yeah i they still perform this live and i would say it's kinetic and and strange and one of the best songs that they still perform live and um it really for me uh stood out as a track that has no connection whatsoever with their earlier stuff from this point on kid a and maybe in particular idiotech they really went in a different route kind of embracing uh, electronics and and synths and and weird computer sounds and I'm rambling but all that to say this is my favorite from this album yeah I totally agree like everything you said like I do think it was a more experimental album and like them branching out into new songs and they did it with a bang because I think this is like one of the first singles if not the first single this album attack. I want to say was the first one they had that they I want to say it debuted at number one on billboard crazy yeah yeah crazy um and yeah maybe like a part of me was like disappointed back then even with like most of the songs but i i did kind of love idiotech no matter what though it was mm-hmm. like it's just such a good track no matter no matter like what you thought of like the older if you love the older stuff like it was hard not to love this track yeah um, and I, I think we both agree that the the intro track, Everything in Its Right Place, um, uh, it, it's I, really good. Yeah. It, all of a sudden, when you press play on that track and it's like the weird keyboardy thing into the bass line or whatever, um, 
it takes you there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, yeah. You know, it's a great opening track in that it kind of sets you up that maybe there's like a change. Yeah. You know. And like, I mean, it's they're really only about four or five lyrics to the whole yeah. song and they keep being repeated. Yeah. Um, but to such effect, there's such drama to it. Yeah. And um, and then it kind of they kind of launch into their album after that. Exactly. What of what was your skip on this? Um, my skip was uh, Tree Fingers, which is in the middle of the album, and it's an instrumental track. It's very pretty. I just for me, it, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I think one of the reasons why I've been a Radiohead fan for so long, and I I'm so drawn, and I get so emotional when I listen to Radiohead, is because of Tom's vocals and mm. because of Tom's lyrics and because of the mood and yeah. i feel like that didn't set it as much mm. um if i were to pick a second i might do the title track because i just feel like that was a tough one to digest mm-hmm. i mean i grew to love it but not my fave sure yeah what about you? i don't know like i basically would skip them all except for <laughs> <laughs> except for idiotech except for everything in its right place and except for the national anthem and then the other ones i think i probably wouldn't remember um, too much. National Anthem is, oh, that's such a great live track, too. It's really good. Yeah. Um, that was one of the bigger songs on the album. Yeah. Bigger in the sense of, like, uh, um, uh, I don't know. A lot of this album, I feel, feel is very uh, intimate and very headphones kind of music. And that is, like, the kaboom yeah. <laughs> moment. <laughs> I mean, it's weird because, like, when I first listened to Radiohead, I, I think... I thought, oh, they're so cool. They're so weird. They're so kind of like nerdy. But then at some point, they just went so mainstream. And I think it Oh, the fan base me. is so bad. I mean, the last few years when I've seen them, it's real bad. You know, and everyone <laughs> yeah. is everyone still in in 2019 is still waiting to hear creep, and I'm like, it's not gonna happen. Mm, and yeah. and also, <laughs> this is why you spend 150 dollars for this ticket. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy how big they got. They're just mm-hmm. like in another one of those bands that I just thought it would be like nerdy weird band, mm-hmm. and then they just got so huge, and you know. It's hard to enjoy them after a certain point for me. I think I like start to lose track of bands after mm-hmm. a little bit because they I don't know if it's like a, a cartoon or like some kind of weird mainstream cheese factor that kind of starts to seep in mm-hmm. and you know uh and then I just stop paying attention. Yeah. I think for me uh since Kid A in the 19 or so years that have passed there have been one or two albums that i think are on the more forgettable side notably um king of limbs but uh you know i think they're still able to produce magic um not as frequently maybe but um particularly the last album was stunning a moonshade pool and that was a really kind of deeper emotional um journey um Hmm. and i feel like that actually is in a weird way like a cousin album to kid a um but yeah it it doesn't work as regularly as it used to in my opinion but i'm still drawn actually a few months ago tom york did a a brief solo tour um and he didn't do any radiohead songs but he did uh stuff from the eraser and his the other uh tomorrow's modern boxes and then the suprezia soundtrack Hmm. and that was really moving show uh i have to say um yeah i can imagine like just seeing him like 
it's captivating no matter what, just mm-hmm. because of the type of performer he is. Yeah. He's just so deep into it. Yeah. Um, that like it's easy to get lost with him in like whatever he's singing, mm-hmm. you know. So even if he's singing kind of a boring song, I bet it's really like fascinating to watch him perform it because he's such a like I don't know exactly weirdo <laughs> like who gets like lost in the you know the performance. Or exactly, yeah. So that was our episode five. Yay! <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. We'll and be back shortly. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Bye. On Next Tape Memories. See you. Bye.